Welcome to Tech Humanity, the weekly podcast where we examine the intersection between technology and humanity. In the 21st century, the so-called digital age, ones and zeros tend to determine much of what we call reality. Do you ever question the nature of your reality? Do you ever wonder how new technologies, things like social media, apps for humanistic ideas and so on, shape your consciousness? Are we in charge of technology? Or is technology in charge of us? Will singularity become a reality? And AI become the new creator, competing directly with the metaphysical God? These are some of the ideas and questions educator, author, cultural critic, and philosopher of technology, Dr. Tony Kashani, will examine in this episode and many more in the future. So please join us in Tech Humanity! Hello friends, welcome to Tech Humanity. I'm your host, Tony Kashani. Today, I want to talk about character, essentially virtue ethics in the digital age, which is about the kind of person we are and whether the technological modes of being and conducting oneself produce good character or not. But first, a story. Again, I am delving into Plato's masterpiece, The Republic, in Book of Two of the Republic, Plato, in the form of dialogue between master and student, sets up an interesting moral examination with the story of the Ring of Gyges. This is a story about a shepherd. According to the story, Gyges, who was a young shepherd in the service of the king of Lydia, was out with his flock one day when a great storm occurred. This was right where he was tending his sheep. And then, after the storm, there was an earthquake, opening a gigantic hole into the ground where Gyges was standing. Gyges decided to descend into the opening, where he found a bronze horse with some doors on it. Opening the doors, Gyges noticed a skeleton with a golden ring on its ring finger. Gyges took the ring and ascended from the big crevice, a few weeks went by, and one day, at a gathering of all the shepherds in the service of the king, Gyges by chance noticed that, twisting the ring on his finger, he would become invisible. Then he noticed that the other shepherds around him began talking about him as if he weren't there. He was, of course, the invisible man, seeing and hearing them all. He kept repeating this exercise of twisting the ring and, and disappearing in the eyes of those who were around him, and realizing that it worked every time. With this new ability, Gyges managed to fascinate and later seduce the queen. He then used this power of invisibility to kill the king and take over the kingdom. Gyges, thinking that he was basically a good person, had concluded that any man with this kind of power would do the same. In other words, if he could commit crimes that advanced our self-interest, if he could get away with it, we would do it. And the only reason that we're just, or rather just, 
is that we do not possess such magical rings, so therefore we suffer negative consequences for acts of injustice. Here, uh, Plato is challenging us. He's asking, is it always better to suffer injustice than to be unjust? Wouldn't it, in fact, be better to have a reputation for justice while being unjust, at least in some instances, than to be just while suffering the negative repercussions of having a reputation for injustice? Is Plato asking us whether we are naturally self-interested and therefore, at least sometimes, immoral? And perhaps always amoral? Do we only act morally, not because morality fulfills our natures, but because we have no other alternative? These are questions worth asking, particularly in this day and age, where almost all things we do, the way we are, and the way we relate to others are technologically driven, definitely worth thinking about. Take, for instance, today's college education and different technological modalities that are part and parcel to higher ed. On the one hand, the university system is cultivating the guideline-driven pedagogy, where a student is given a prompt with specific steps to take to write a paper, for instance, for an assignment. He or she is expected to meet the requirements, and then there is a rubric system to follow to assess the assignment and produce a grade for such student. And this grade, often in the form of a numerical grade, is supposedly a representation of the student's abilities, academic, intellectual, and overall ability of the student. And in many cases, the students internalize this as if this number represents their sense of worth and essentially the way in which they are worth to society at large. This type of assessment can do two things. One, to discourage the student from critical and creative engagement with intellectual material in the fear of losing points because the prompt may not be followed all the way through. So as you can see, like Gaiji's, the student may be encouraged to cheat, to get ahead, to be able to meet the requirements and get the coveted highest point. So there's no wonder that with today's technologies, copying and pasting from sources in the internet, as they become easier and easier, uh, is becoming a normal habit for a college student. Although there are technologies such as programs like Turnitin to catch the offenders, in many cases where the student can get away with copying and pasting, uh, putting verbatim material without you know, thinking about it, without having original words in it, um, if they can do it, it seems like that they have a tendency to do it. 
And this is not because they are inherently bad or intrinsically selfish, but because they want the kingdom, just as Gaijis did. As they are told that in today's highly competitive world, it is a zero-sum game. You either have the kingdom or you are a loser. Just take a look at an episode of the popular show, and I mean globally popular show, The American Idol. Or go to an online chat room where young people hang out and talk to one another about their future, about their academic work, about their aspirations, about their values, in how they see themselves in the world. This is all a reflection of the kind of technologies that we have developed without thinking about the ethics of such technologies and the way in which their implications can develop our character either to be the kind of character that kind of recognizes that there is a need for change, puts a pause button on it, and steps back and asks for change, or the kind of character that thinks, well, this is the way the world is, and I must do as the world dictates. So, two things I can do. Deal with this anxiety, by cheating, getting ahead, or trying to do it honestly and realizing that I could suffer the consequences because that honesty may not be recognized or valued even. But maybe I can get ahead, and that's a struggle for many. So in this sort of climate, what happens to a person's character? Well, before we can kind of open that up, or unpack it rather, we have to think about what is character? It's a character of a person, uh, a reflection of the person's conduct? Is it the person's nature? Are we all naturally a certain way? Some people are honest, some people are dishonest, some people are courageous, others are cowardly. Are external social, economic, and technological forces that are seemingly unbiased and neutral and yet developed and controlled and sometimes distributed by people who have ulterior motives, uh, are those factors kind of factors that change our nature, or rather, alter our characters. When thousands of years ago, Plato was thinking about this, and then later his best student, Aristotle, who is known as basically the grandfather of virtue ethics, particularly in the Western world, uh, they were thinking about human nature. They were thinking about uh, what our characters are inherently, intrinsically, if you like. And Plato has a response to the challenge that he himself presents to the reader in the form of the dialogue between master and student. When the master is asking whether we are just selfish beings and we do everything out of self-interest, Plato thinks otherwise. 
he proposes a view of human nature that is ultimately a virtuous nature. So he thinks that justice is intrinsically preferable to injustice. Well, you ask anybody, do you prefer to be a person who is known as fair and kind and compassionate and promotes justice and considers him or herself just? Or do you call yourself an unjust person and say, well, if I can get away with whatever I can do, whether it's, you know, exploiting others, stepping on, on other human beings, and they can also be my family and friends and, and associates and so on, I will do it. If that's the case, then you're not a real human being. You're an underdeveloped, technologically dominated human being in the age of algorithms and ones and zeros that tend to prescribe your behavior and the way in which you complete assignments, work projects, uh, and conduct your behavior uh, towards others. But even today, given all these manipulations of our behavior and so forth, we tend to value justice. We tend to value good character. And of course, sometimes we rationalize to ourselves cognitive dissonance sets in when we know someone has bad character and yet we say no he's good she's good plato had learned from socrates that the soul is important if you nurtured the soul he had believed you would become a good person and you know aristotle was not too far away from that way of thinking either. The soul is ultimately what we need to cultivate. And this is the thing about technologies, particularly information technologies. They lack soul. So if that becomes our mode of being, we grab these technologies and we emulate them in our everyday human behavior, what happens to our souls? Do we lose our souls? Do our souls go into hiding? If we do not nurture the soul, then we are harming the soul. And once we harm the soul, any kind of unjust behavior is permissible. Take a look at what they're doing with platforms such as Facebook and Twitter, where collection of human data is essentially the main activity of these platforms. The profiles that we produce for ourselves are pretty nice. We're good people, we have good lives, we have friends, and we want to be kind and friendly towards the world. And yet, underneath, there's another profile that is produced about us, which has to do with ways in which they can find to give us the kind of technologies that manipulate our behavior and extract the soul from our character. 
there's just a lot of psychology involved here. And I'm thinking of the, the great psychologist, Sherry Turkle. I was written a couple of books about uh, human behavior, human condition in this day and age, where she talks about how we, and this is the general we, not every single person on the planet, of course, well, you have to keep in mind, 60% of the world's population does not have access to the internet and is removed from kind of high technology that is driving our daily lives out here in the West. Uh, Terkel uh, talks about how we human beings expect more from technology than other human beings. When that happens, there's a danger here. Is the danger of removing the soul from the process. In technology, not having any kind of soul in the hands of the soulless becomes a very powerful tool of manipulation. That can't be good for humanity at large, can it? I want you to think about these things, and I want to pick this up at the next episode and continue delving deeper into virtues and whether we have lost many of the virtues that we used to have, or perhaps this is just another version of the human evolution that we're going through, which has its ups and downs, back and forth, and circular motion, and it's not always steadily moving forward or upward. So I want you to think about uh, what it means to have the code of honor. New psychological studies are showing that when people are giving a code of honor and they sign to it, whether it's electronically done or in person or verbally, etc., uh, they tend to become more honest. And that's a curious point. A code of honor and the power that it carries. Simple technology. It's not high tech. It's not ones and zeros. It's a word. Until next time, farewell and be well.